morning, church. Morning, church. Morning, church. <laughs> Why don't you stand this morning? so far away this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we just come before you to worship you, to exalt your name and lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Your grace. 
give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and sing it.
serve a living God. Amen. I just want to encourage you with this this morning. Don't ever underestimate the power of your praise. Don't ever underestimate what worshiping our God can do in your situation, in our church, in our country. Sometimes it's easy to come in and just worship and sing and we don't really think about who we're worshiping or why we're worshiping. But man, we are worshiping the creator of this world, created everything that you see. A good God who's perfect in all his ways, who saw us needing a savior and sent his son to die in our place who loves everyone so radically. I just want to encourage you just to sing with everything that's in you this morning. We're not just singing words to sing words. We could go to a concert to do that or some other place. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to sing and glorify God, amen. Not to look up here and up at God, to think about what he's done, and to glorify his name. That's why we're here. That's why we meet. 
sing with every breath that's in our lungs that he gave us and he continues to give us. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only. Fall in this 
Will you just raise your hands in this room? Come on. Let's just raise our hands for a moment. And will you pray this with me? Just say, Lord, have your way in me. Come on. Let's just say it all together. Lord, have your way in me. Break my heart for the things that break yours. Lord, teach me to see what you see. Lord, teach me to, to love like you love, Lord. Give me a heart for the things of you that are holy, that are pure, Lord, that are righteous, Lord. Help me to live a life in obedience to you, God. Come on, church, I don't want to go this morning through the motions. I don't, I don't want to just sing words on the page. I want to touch from heaven. God to come down and meet us where we're at. I believe this morning there are things he wants to bring hope into in your life. I think there's probably some situations that are coming to your mind right now that you're like, man, I just need the hope of God. Now maybe there's some things that he's wanting to restore in your life. Some broken families maybe, some broken broken relationships. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's some healing and he wants to restore you physically. Come on. We have to be we have to be active in that faith without works is dead we can sing these songs and we can come to the father and we can begin to sing lord have your way do what you want but if we don't take that initiative if we don't give surrenderance if we don't raise our hands to the father and say lord come meet me where i'm at come on lord make us desperate in this moment for you jesus have your way lord i don't want to be here if you're not here and Lord, I know you're here because your word says that where two or three are gathered, Lord, that you are in our midst. And so, Father, we come to you this morning and we pray, have your way. Stir it up. Make this your prayer. proclamation today the Lord to just say have your way in us 
Lord, we sing that, and I don't really think we can fully grasp what that means and what that. But Lord, I pray it. I pray, have your way in me, God. If that means humility, then break me. Lord, if that means surrender, Lord, or peace, Lord, then bring opportunities for me to grow in it. Lord, having your way in me is more important than having my way. Father, we love you. We praise you. Be glorified. Be exalted. Thank you for your heart, God. Thank you for your name that is higher than any other name. Lord, we love you. Have your way in our hearts as we continue in the message here in a minute. Have your way in our hearts as we go throughout the day. And we celebrate our dads. Have your way in the hearts of our dads. Have your way in our hearts. I want to know you better. I want to know you more. To be known by you is so precious. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. church a little bit of music difficulties there but that's okay it's good to be in the house of the Lord today it's good to be with you today um, my name is Pastor Keith for the next two weeks as many of y'all know and so um, this is probably going to be my last opportunity to speak with y'all and I'm so grateful that Pastor Zach gave me the opportunity um, for those of you who have not heard uh, me and my wife, we resigned from our positions, and we will be moving to Arkansas. Um, we're actually there now. We've just been driving back. And so um, we love the Crossing Church, and I love getting to spend Sunday mornings with y'all. I love getting to pour into y'all when I can, and when Pastor Zach allows me to. Pastor Zach is on vacation. He's enjoying a cruise life. Everybody said Amen. Right, I don't know. I've never been on a cruise, but the idea of an all-you-can-eat buffet and as much ice cream as you want every day sounds wonderful. And so I hope they're enjoying themselves. They'll be back next week. Um, and so make sure you're here next week because you won't want to miss what he has. It's always good when pastors come back from vacation because they're refreshed, they're ready to go. Um, and, and, and usually they come back and they're like, you know, they got something for you. And so I encourage you all to be here next week. Today is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day for all of y'all in the room. I love it. I love to see all the dads here. And, and that's, a, that's a bold move. Today we're actually going to be talking about bold moves. Um, you know, you could have stayed home and grilled. You could have stayed home and smoked um, pork or smoked whatever you wanted to on the grill, um, brisket, whatever, um, but you chose to be here today, and I, I, I appreciate that. I know God appreciates that, and I know that your family will appreciate that later. Um, but if you guys didn't see in the lobby, we have soda pops, old-fashioned soda pops for you. Christine put that together. Didn't she do an awesome job? Can we just give her a hand? Up? Yeah, she did awesome on that. Um, it, it said, uh, 
Top Pop. Yeah. Like the new Top Gun. Get it? Okay, I'm not going to explain it. But um, clever. So, yeah, if you didn't get a soda pop, make sure after service today you grab one or you can sneak back right now. Crack one open. That's fine, too. Um, but make sure you get one today. And if you are a dad in the room and you did not get a ticket, um, make sure before we do the drawing, we're going to take a moment to make sure everyone has a ticket because we will be giving away a Shields gift card. And so that's awesome, right? Yes, yeah, Shields. <laughs> you know, is that Tim the Toolman Taylor that used to do that? <laughs> You know, okay, no, okay. Um, bold moves. <laughs> so today I want to talk to you about bold moves. This isn't your typical Father's Day sermon where I'm going to, you know, talk about being a dad and how great being a dad is. I think if you're in this room, you're watching online, um, you know the blessing that there is to be a dad. And, and I hope that you are experiencing it in the fullness. And this does touch on dads because as dads, a lot of time we do lead our families and a lot of times that requires us making bold moves. And um, sometimes those bold moves um, are hard, sometimes they're different, but um, this isn't a typical Father's Day sermon, this is just something that I've walked through personally recently and I wanted to kind of share with you guys what I've been dealing with kind of in the background. So have you ever made a bold move? What, what do you think of when you think of bull moves? Like, what does that look to you like to you? Because to some of us, that may be like asking someone to marry you. Like, if you're married in the room, you remember being the, the guy that rehearsed in the mirror a hundred times. Maybe it was just me, but <laughs> you know, I had the ring in my sock drawer and pulled it out and I'd practice and I, I'd think through my mind of exactly how I was going to do it. And, and, and I was like, man. You know, maybe that's the bold move you think of. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's asking for a raise at work. Maybe that's a bold move, right? Go into your office and ask your boss, say, hey, I think I need to get paid more. <laughs> and then uh, maybe it's uh, asking or raising children. Maybe that's a bold move in today's culture, maybe. What do you think of when you think of bold moves? I think a lot of times we associate boldness with harshness, and they're opposite. Harsh and rash and brash, you know, like people that are bold. You say, man, that guy's bold. Like, and sometimes he's harsh and brash and not bold, just rude. You know what I'm saying? Boldness, though, bold moves are, what they are, they're moves that take risks. And risk doesn't always come dressed in adventure. That's a bold move. A bold move is something that takes risk. And that risk doesn't always come in adventure. A lot of times we think, man, it's like, you know, like Indiana Jones style with the, the whip and swinging across caverns and taking the step of faith off the canyon of death. I don't know what it's called, but you guys know what I'm saying. You're like, man, those are bold moves, and those may be bold moves, but it doesn't always have to look like a big adventure. Sometimes it could be... Um, it's different for everyone. Sometimes it could be moving across the country. Sometimes it could be moving across the street. Sometimes it could be um, selling everything we have and moving into a tiny house. Have you all seen those shows where they live in a tiny house? Yeah. We have some families in the church that live in tiny houses. They're here with us today, and I'm excited they're here today. And so um, for others, it could be living within their means, though. 
Bold moves come differently for everyone. Risk comes different for everyone. But today I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to take bold moves, to make bold moves. As Christians, we don't have to search far for bold moves. We don't have to go and look for adventure. It's not, you know, Dora the Explorer. (laughs) We're not looking for adventure or anything. We don't have to go far. Everyday obedience to Christ will require us to make bold moves. It will require us to live differently. Dads, you're living differently just by being here. In culture today, dads aren't a part of the family all the time. They're not there all the time. They're not, they're not leading the house like they should. They're not. And so being here is and being, watching online, you are making a bold move. You are living in that everyday obedience. It's living differently. Boldness isn't forcing something to happen. Instead, it's the willingness to respond in obedience to what God puts in front of us. It's the willingness to respond in obedience. I think of Esther. Y'all know the story of Esther in the Bible. There's a whole book, and, and it's a great story. But Esther goes before the king to petition for the people, for her people. And I think of that bold move and what it took to risk her life to go and ask the king to save her people. But God used her boldness to rescue an entire nation just through faithful obedience, through a bold move through going in humility, your willingness to trust God and take opportunities that he puts in front of you might just change a neighbor or it may change a coworker. It may take those opportunities in front of us and it may save people that you never thought it would save. It could mean the difference in their eternity. There are a few things though. So I wanna say, make a bold move. Live in that everyday obedience and willingness to God. And what I've learned in the process as my family is making this bold move for us. Um, we're moving to Arkansas. It's bold. It's, it's something that, honestly, I was comfortable. I mean, I was, I was, I was comfortable to a point here. I had, I had y'all. I had family. I had friends. I had, I had a life here. And so God is taking my family through this bold Decision, this bold move, and there's some things I learned. And so I want to start out today by saying, when you go to make a bold move for your family, or when you go to make a bold move in your life, the biggest opposition to bold moves will be you. You are the biggest opposition to bold moves. When I say make a bold move, when I say, you know, live in that everyday obedience to God, it looks good and it sounds good on paper, right? It even looks good in the movies, right? We talked about Indiana Jones, right? It reminds us of every movie of the underdog. I love underdog movies. You know what I'm talking about? Like um, one of my favorite, like Remember the Titans or Little Giants, you know, uh, where, <laughs> you know, they, they, all those movies, the, the Mighty Ducks. Like you, you look at all these movies where they're like people that you're like, I can't believe they're even going to play that sport. And then they get on the field and they, you know, they keep working, and it's the everyday little things that cause them to make bold moves. It looks popular to make a bold move, right? For students, I tease with them, it, it looks good when they go to, uh, oh, no, there it is. Okay. It, it looks good when they go to ask out the most popular girl in school, right? They want that arm candy. That's what I, I tease with them about. 
You know, it, it looks good to be that person that's well-liked. It's easier to talk about bold moves, though, and dream about them than to do them. It's easier to talk about doing something than to do it sometimes. It's the dream of every overworked and underappreciated employee. Like many parts of life, bold moves are easier to talk about. Because unlike the character on the big screen, unlike, unlike you know, remember the Titans or unlike the little giants, our bold moves, the bold moves that you and I make every day, have real life consequences. And that makes it hard. Have you ever talked... And, and, and because of that, I think we talk ourselves out of doing bold moves a lot. Have you ever talked yourself out of doing something that you know you should do? You know, a lot of times for me, it's like when it's 100 degrees outside and I have to mow the lawn and I don't want to. And I'm like, yeah, I know I need to, but this Dr. Pepper is ice cold and the couch looks good. The fan's blowing just the right, the AC's set just right. And I can feel a nap coming on. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, but there's other situations, right? Maybe it was talking to a coworker at work, and you're like, man, I really should say something. But then you don't, and then you regret it later down on, right? And you go back and you think, I've done that sometimes. You know, I've done it sometimes when I'm driving down the road, and I see people that are standing on the road with a sign and saying, I need money. And I don't always stop for people like that. I don't. I rarely stop for people like that. But there's been times where I thought about it, and I, I felt in my spirit maybe I should give them something. And I drove by, and I, I thought about it the rest of the day because I talked myself out of making a bold move. Because that would be bold, right? We don't stop for 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 panhandlers. We don't stop to give out money to people we don't know or know how they're going to spend it. And I'm not. Listen, I'm not, I know I have kids in the car. I don't stop for everyone I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But in my mind, there's sometimes I regret that in my spirit because I talked myself out of doing something that was bold. You, I talked myself out because I didn't like the risk. We allow the what ifs or the fear of the unknown to creep in because we don't know what will happen. Psalms 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so this is a familiar scripture that we read a lot, right? Some of us can quote it, and it's awesome. And we say, Lord, I will fear no evil. You know, we talk about it when we're afraid a lot, but... What happens when we're about to make bold moves is we allow that fear of the unknown to creep in. What will happen? What if, what if they don't like me after I do this? What if my friends forsake me? What if they decide not to be my friends? When I was moving, when I was in the process of, of making this decision for my family, that was the fear of the unknown was present. What if, what if the church gets mad at me? You know, and I know you guys love me, but I'm just being real. It was like, what if, what if, what if my kids lose their friends? What if, what if, you know, and I know things change, but I was going through the fears of the unknown. 
What are people going to think? What are they going to do? What are they going to say? Because I'm leaving. What are they, because my family is making a decision. What, what, what are they going to do? And this scripture is what came to mind because we might have to go through, sometimes in our lives, we might have to go through the dark valley in those fears and walk through those fears to get to the quiet waters and green pastures. You get what I'm saying? That fear sometimes is there to test us. And God allows that fear to be present just so we can choose to keep walking and trusting in him. We don't like that though, right? I don't like that. That's why I don't like flying. I like to know exactly what's happening. I like to have control. I like. I wish I could fly the plane. I, I didn't go to school to fly the plane, but that guy who landed a plane a few weeks ago didn't go to school, and he did just fine. You know <laughs> Y'all read that in the news where he flew it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I could do it. Um, I'm just kidding. If you're a pilot, I'm sure you do a great job. I just have control issues. So, But it's the fear of the unknown. But nine times out of ten, the green pasture is that I didn't have to spend 10 and a half, 15 to 20 hours driving wherever I was going. It took me like 30 minutes. So I had to walk through those the, that dark valley of fear in the plane to get to green pastures. And so usually that dark valley comes with some Benadryl or something <laughs> to knock me out. But um, we play it safe. Let's get back to it. We play it safe. When it comes to bold moves, we like to play it on the safe side. We don't like to take the risk. We do what is expected, but we don't go over. We take the path of least resistance because it's the idea of making that move that overwhelms us. It gives us anxiety. The problem is that the life of faith that we live with Jesus is not comfortable. It's not always supposed to be comfortable. Jesus saves us and he invites us into a new way of living and seeing the world. He didn't die so we could stay the same, but when we commit to following Jesus, we're invited for him to teach us how to change. It's that willful obedience. The disciples left all they had. It was uncomfortable. And I'm sure in the moment... They were the worst enemy. They were their biggest obstacle to following Jesus. And we see that multiple times. In the Bible, we see multiple times with Peter where, like, you know, I love Peter because Jesus is like, oh, Peter. You know, <laughs> like, in his mind, Peter falls asleep all the time. He cuts dude's ears off. He denies him. You know, he does all these things. And I think he was sometimes the biggest obstacle the disciples, though, they left it all. They had to risk everything they knew and everything they had because Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. They knew what fishing for fish was, but they didn't know what this guy had entailed for them. But it was the willful obedience. It was a bold move that they took that resulted in some hard things because when we follow Jesus, when we decide to live in that willful obedience, making bold moves for Christ, following Jesus can lead us to some hard things. David, the writer of Psalms 23, he reminds us of that. He said, even though we walk in the shadow of death, we don't have to fear because God is with us. He is guiding us and working through us. He will give us all we need. Don't let you, don't let you be the greatest opposition to making a bold move for Christ. 
Don't let you be the one who gets in the way of the blessing that God has for you. Walk in that obedience. Make a bold move. And here's the second thing I learned. So first thing I learned was that bold moves, you will always be the greatest opposition in your bold move. My greatest opposition was, I don't want, I, don't, I have friends here, I have family here. My, my youngest daughter was born here. She is a Texan. <sighs> Instead of an Arkansan, you know, go Hogs, which, by the way, the Hogs game yesterday. Anyways, um, but... Those were my greatest oppositions to me, was me. Was it, I was talking myself through these ideas of what ifs and what happens. So you will be the greatest opposition to making a bold move, and don't be. The second thing I learned is that bold moves require faith. Bold moves require faith. When you are going to make a bold move for Jesus, it's going to require faith. The disciples, like I just talked about, it required faith for them to leave everything they knew to step out and trust this man that they had just met, the Messiah. But Hebrews chapter 11 is now like, it's called the faith chapter in the Bible. And so we're going to go there, Hebrews 11, and we're only going to read a little bit of it. But now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was condemned as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith. Through he, though he died, he still speaks. Keep going. I'm following you on here. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should, he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was con condemned as having pleased God. Keep going. And without faith, it is possible, impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he was condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We're going to pause there. And so part of making a bold move is that it takes faith. And we see that over and over in this chapter. I don't have to go through all the stories, but that's what we learn. Hebrews 11 gives us, gives us many examples of great faith and common theme quickly emerges. The choice to go, let go of the rational understanding. This is the theme that you see. To let go of the rational, our understanding, the 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 choice to let go of that and to boldly believe in the unseen. To boldly believe in the unseen. Noah chose to heed God's warning and build an ark even though he saw no rain. It never rained up until that point, but yet he built an ark. Crazy, don't you think? Irrational. Abraham chose to follow God into a foreign land with nothing but a promise to hold on to. Crazy. Most of us would not do the same, right? If someone promised you that they were going to take care of you and pay all your bills and all that, but didn't have it in writing, would you go? Probably not, right? It'd be irrational. Wouldn't make sense. Moses chose to face Pharaoh with, and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. None of the bold moves in Hebrew 11 were easy. 
Following Jesus will lead you to hard things. None of them were easy. But through faith, they were possible. Faith chooses to trust God in spite of our fear and over all the possible outcomes. The men and women in Hebrews 11 never imagined the impact that their choices would have had so many years later. They weren't present for much of the story, but God was and still is. He's weaving it through their obedience, right? We look to these for our obedience. We read these stories, and we, it gives us faith. It helps produce that faith in us so that we can make decisions when hard times come and hard moments come, and those bold moves that are required out of us start to weigh on us. We can read these, and it gives us faith. It gives us faith. Noah, Abraham, and Moses are well known for their faith and God's presence in their lives. It's easy to admire them. It's easier to admire them, but it's also easy to assume their experience of, of God only happened back then. I think we're guilty of that a lot. We, we, we think that God can only do, he only did those kinds of things then. And it's like we were singing this morning, stir it up in our hearts because he's still active. He's still working. God is just as active today as he was thousands of years ago. Perhaps the reason we don't experience more of God's presence is that we aren't expecting it. We aren't expecting it. We get comfortable. We get comfortable. What would happen if instead of admiring Moses and Abraham and Noah and, and, and all of those in Hebrews chapter 11, what if instead of admiring them, we started making some bold moves of our own? We started walking in the kind of faith that they walked in. God's power doesn't depend on our faith. God's power does not depend on our faith, but your experience of God's power is greatly affected by your faith. God, God is all-powerful. He will always be all-powerful. But if you want to see that power manifest in your life, it's going to be dependent on how much faith you have. We see that in the Bible. When the, when the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years is crumbling, we heard, we heard a message on, on, on this woman of 12 years, or the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years at camp. And the guy that uh, the teenagers were there, and at camp the guy talked about how literally this woman could not have even made it to Jesus. He talked to a, he talked to a blood professional doctor. What are they called? Hematologist and, uh, from the nurse in the room. And so he talked to a hematologist and, and, and interviewed him and said, what would it like if a person bled for 12 years? And they were like, you mean you're talking about the fable in the Bible? They already knew the story. The what? Sorry. <laughs> And so there's the story, right? The made-up story is what she was calling it. And he was like, he's like, well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And she's like, literally, her bones wouldn't be able to support her body without blood. Her bones would be so brittle that she wouldn't have been able to make it out the door. And so the, the guy was talking about the miracle was getting to Jesus before it was ever healing her body. God was doing a miracle in her, preparing her for the next miracle, which was awesome. But it takes that kind of faith. If I could just get to the hem of the garment, I know I will be healed. It wasn't, she wasn't, she had sold every, she had used all of her wealth to pay for physicians and doctors and everything. And at this moment, she was in such a place of desperation and such a place of, of brokenness, but her expectancy is what 
made God able to manifest his power within that healing. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith, it is not possible to please God without faith. So when you're making a bold move, the difference between making a bold move, a proud move and a humble, bold move for God is that it takes faith. Like the men and women in Hebrews 11, when we dare to make bold moves, we we too can experience God's presence in a way that we never imagined. Radical faith isn't easy. It's hard. And it's often unpopular, especially in today's age. It's unpopular to follow Jesus that way. It's unpopular. Man, you're thought of the weirdo. The Bible thumper is what they called them back in the day. If, if, if you walk in a radical faith, but it's always worth it. Here's the last thing I learned when me and Tiff were making that decision. All right, well, let's back up. When me and Tiff were making the decision that we made to move our family to Arkansas, to leave the church um, here and go serve God in this place for our family at this moment, it took faith. It took us trusting God knowing that he's going to take care of us, but he's also going to take care of the church. That was that was where we were at, was, Lord, I'll be wherever you want me to be, but I need you to take care of me, and I don't want to leave these people in a, and, and I want you to take care of them. It took faith. It took, took faith to step out and say, God, I know you're going to do this, and you're going to take care of this. Bold moves, the last thing I learned. So first thing, you are the greatest opposition when it comes to making bold moves in your life. Second thing is that bold moves will require faith. The third thing that I've learned is that bold moves will humble you. Bold moves will humble you, and that is a good thing. There are a lot of bold moves or opportunities that I believe we miss out on because we in our own mind believe things should work a certain way. We have this own mindset that we believe God should work in a certain way. And God has been tearing me up over this one. Because in my mind, I thought God was going to work things out a certain way. I'd been praying and I'd been seeking and I'd been pursuing God personally and with my wife. We'd been family and we had an idea of how God was going to lay out our next steps. Because they seemed rational, it made sense. We, that's what we wanted. We wanted him to do that. We, we got it in our own minds. And, and I think the longer we follow Jesus, the easier it is. The longer we follow Jesus, the easier it is to lean on our own understanding of what a Christian should do and stop asking Jesus to do what he should do or wants to do. Because the longer we follow Jesus, we begin to get into the routine of singing songs. We begin to get in his word. And we'll, because we read his word, we know what he says. And because we know what he says, we know what he's doing. And a lot of times, listen, God does speak through his word. And he does tell us how to do things through his word. But there is a difference between you reading his word through his spirit and through his mindset. And reading it in our own minds and reading what we want into scripture. There's a big difference. And the longer we follow Jesus, I think it's easier sometimes to say, oh, this is what God would do. This is what Jesus would do because I know Jesus. 
and we stop depending on hearing from him, and we start to step out in our own. Feel that it may make us vulnerable, you know? Sometimes bold moves will make you vulnerable. When I asked Tiff to marry me, it was a vulnerable moment. She could have said no. Joke's on her, she said yes. <laughs> She's stuck. Um, but but a lot of times bold moves make, make us vulnerable. You know, when, when, when I told Pastor what God was doing in our lives and I told him about the opportunity that presented itself and that we were praying about it, I was vulnerable in that moment. Pastor could have said, see you later, alligator. And he could have said, it's been great having you here, but, you know, we're not going to give you a month to, to, to close out relationships and say hi to the people and love on the people. We're just going to send you on now. I knew Pastor wouldn't do that. I hoped he would do that. And he didn't. And, uh, and the board didn't. They loved me. And we love y'all. And, and that was, but I was in a vulnerable place. I didn't know how they were going to respond. I didn't know how they were going to take it. I knew they were going to be upset, but I didn't know, you know, what that was going to turn into. Sometimes your bold moves require us to be vulnerable. When you're at work and you go to ask for a raise, maybe you're in a job and you feel like you're getting unpaid because inflation keeps going up $15 a day. You know, <laughs> maybe you go in and ask for that raise. You're being vulnerable. Your boss could say, yeah, see you later. You know what I'm saying? It's vulnerable. Bold moves leave us in a vulnerable place. And I think a lot of times that's what keeps us from doing them. But bold moves will humble us. James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Bold moves will never be accessible without faith and humility. A lot of times we talk about the faith and we hit hard on the faith. You have to have faith. You have to, I hit hard on the faith. I had a point that says bold moves require faith, but it is also about humility. This was true for the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. Centurions were powerful men, you know, to humble himself and ask Jesus to heal his servant. If you all read the story, there was a centurion who came to Jesus and asked him to heal his servant. And uh, centurion were powerful men. This guy would not have gone to Jesus to ask for things. Um, he, he, he probably had hundreds of soldier under, soldiers under his command. Um, he, he could have, you know, he, he could have a hundred soldiers under his command. He probably had a high reputation within, within the army. And, and he was probably looked to, you know. As a, as a standard in the community, someone, something to be achievable or something to attain. But instead, in this moment, he humbled himself and asked Jesus to heal his servant. He could have allowed his pride, his distance, his self-sufficiency, or any number of things to stop him from approaching Jesus. And he probably played it out in his mind like I talked to you about earlier, right? What if Jesus would have said no? The biggest opposition to a bold move is yourself. He could have stayed back and said, oh, Jesus is going to say no because we're not friends. <laughs> the soldiers and Jesus were not friends. They weren't buddies. And so instead of allowing those things to stop him, though, the centurion was willing to humble himself. And Jesus made an example of his faith. 
Listen to this, Matthew 8, chapter 5, or chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For two, I am a man under authority with soldiers that go under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, I truly tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Could you imagine that, to hear those words from Jesus? I've never, um, I've never met with someone such faith like you, Keith. That would be awesome. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus looks at the centurion, and he, he looks to everyone, the whole crowd, and he says, I've never seen a man with such faith. Talk about the highest compliment I think you could be paid. It was a bold move, and that bold move resulted in Jesus honoring him and recognizing his faith. The centurion's actions stood in sharp contrast to many of the religious folks Jesus met. They were so confident in their own righteousness that they didn't think they needed Jesus. And sometimes I think it's easy to fall in that trap. I pray over my students. Me and Pastor Laney talk about the, or over my students, my kids and my students. I pray over the youth group this all the time. But we talk about it personally how we don't ever want our kids to be self-righteous. We've talked about that before. How sometimes self-righteousness could be the biggest inhibitor to allowing God to operate in their life. The moment that they think that they know it all or are better than everyone else around them because they know Jesus. That's the minute they start to separate themselves from Jesus because that's not Jesus' heart. Self-righteous is the enemy of humility and will ultimately lead us down a path that weans us off our dependency of Jesus. It'll lead you off a path that, that teaches you that you have all of the knowledge in here and it will teach you, it will take you down a path that says you know what's right and what is best and you are the ultimate authority in your life. That's where self-righteousness will take you. But bold moves will require you to be humble. Bold moves for God will make you humble. The centurion wasn't self-righteous. I think sometimes we can, we can fall into that trap. And Tiff and I, that's what we had to learn was that when we were making this bold move was that we need to be dependent on Jesus. When we were making this decision for our family to move back to Arkansas, to I'm not going to a church, I'm not going to be preaching anymore. Some of y'all probably right now sitting here are like, thank you. <laughs> no, but I'm not going to be preaching anymore. I'm not going to be working with teenagers like I, you know, at all, really. I'm going to corporate world. It's different. I've been there before. And God called me out of it, and now he opened the door for me to go back in. And I think this is where he's calling my family for a time such as this. And when me and Tiff were making these decisions, it was very easy for us to get into the mindset of, 
we think God should do this. Or God's going to do this because this is what we expected. And I'll be honest with you, there were moments in me and Tiff's life where we're like, God's going to make a way for us to stay here. And that's what we said. And, and that's what I prayed. I'm going to tell you right now, I sat with Scott at lunch one day, and we were talking about things, and I said, listen, I said, I'm praying God does something big here for us because my heart loves you guys. And my heart was here, is here, still. I still love you. But in the moment, that bold move and the pull in my heart, I knew God was moving me. But there were so many conversations that Tiff and I had laying down at night where we were like, God's going to sell the building, and he did. Come on. But we were like, God's going to sell the building. He's going to make a way for us to be here, and, and, and it's going to look like this, and then we're going to build a new building, and we're going to run a youth group, and it's going to look like this, this, and this. And we started, this is what we expected God to do. And God brought me back. And he brought me to a place of humility. And he began to do some things in my life that said, no, you're going to be dependent upon me. He brought me to a place in my life personally where I could not move without being dependent on Jesus. I couldn't move from here. I couldn't move forward here. I couldn't move anywhere without coming to the place where Jesus was my source. Because I had grown so much in my own that I began to I began to think of what Jesus would do in my own understanding instead of leaning on his understanding. And it led me to this bold move of me and Tiff relocating our family. Um, just to be honest with y'all, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be kind of transparent. So back in March whatever, back then sometime. So first of all, we have our beautiful daughter, Luella. We'll start there, which is awesome. She's such a, such a bundle of joy, grand on every, but we weren't expecting Luella. Luella was a surprise. Hello. And, <laughs> but we are so thankful for her. But that led us to some decisions to be made with, well, do we want to pay 10000 a month for daycare, or is Tiff going to stay home? And uh, and we really prayed about it. And uh, it was just the normal. You know, we felt at peace with Tiff staying at home. Uh, we want to homeschool our kids. We talked to many of y'all in the church who homeschool kids, and, and we have that mentality. And so it was always a goal for Tiff to be able to stay at home. Like we felt that's where we were going. Um, and so that was the first thing that we were kind of trying to work on. But um, I just didn't know how to make that happen. I needed God to make it happen. And so we began to pray, God, open up doors for my wife to stay home. Open up doors for her to, um, to be in my kid's life and to be able to pour in them in the way that, that will raise them for you. Those kinds of prayers is what we begin to pray. And so God opened, so we pulled Tiff back from, she still works, she still worked at the chiropractor up until last week or two weeks ago. 
And so she was still working a couple of days a week, but they had weaned her off a lot. And then we were doing fine. Things were beginning to get comfortable, you know, and we're like, okay, God, you're, you're doing something. And then we had some things at the house happen um, as far as our, our, you know, just the economy, and we, we lease a home. And so y'all can imagine how prices are going right now. And so it was like, oh, man, Tiff's not working. Now we're trying to to meet the economy needs. And I was like, God, and I was talking to Scott and Lanny. I've talked to a lot of people about this, but I was like, God, you got to do something big. Like that's, that's when I started beginning to pray that prayer. It was like, I can't do this on my own. And literally it was just getting hard. Well, then most of y'all remember a few weeks ago, my van broke (laughs) and it was like, so I'm praying for God to do something big in our, in our in our personal finances for our house so we can live. And then the means of which we get around breaks. And it was like, I mean, I'll be honest, it was five grand to fix. And I was like, dear Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is not what, this does not meet the plan of sell the building, build a big youth group buy a house, build a farm, all these things within Texas. It's not working. And so and I kept praying, and we're like, God, we are going to do whatever you want us to do. If that means Tiff going back to work full time and and me throwing Luella in a, to friends during the week, <laughs> sending her to daycare, whatever, God, we'll do whatever you want. And, and we began to pray those things, and... And just really put ourselves, but we were completely dependent upon God that, during that point. And God did some awesome things through y'all. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart, those that rally behind me and my wife in those moments, I can't tell you. Some of y'all sent us money. Some of y'all, you know, offer cars. Some of y'all did some things for us that I will never be able to forget or repay in those moments. Hopefully one day I can repay him. And God began to do things. I'm like, okay, God, you're moving. You're making a way. Like, this is awesome. Well, that happens. And in the moment of me praying all these things, God opens up this job opportunity in Arkansas. And I'm like, oh, no. Because many of y'all know my family's from Arkansas. Like my my mom and dad, like all of his family, everyone's in Arkansas. So we're praying and we're like, Lord, like this is hard. Because now we're choosing between a life that we've built here with friends and family here and choosing between blood. And I was like, what? are you doing? (laughs) And I'm praying. And uh, that's all I knew how to do. And I talked to Pastor Zach and I told him I didn't go out and put out a bunch of applications and say, hey, come hire me. Like I want, I want you to, I got a call from an old youth pastor. And um, he had talked to my father um, and asked for my number and thought about me and called me. And it's, it's, it's not 
in a church. I know he doesn't work at a church anymore. He hasn't been in a church for 16 years. He's been in this company for 16 years. And he called me and was like, hey, this position's open. I think you'd be a good fit. What do you think? And I was like, got to pray about it. He's like, okay, well, would you be willing to meet the team? I was like, I guess, you know. I mean, if God's opening up something, I'm not going to shut it down, you know. And so Tiff and I prayed. I talked to Pastor about it, and Pastor's like, I think you should meet with them and just see, you know. He was supportive, you know. Um, and so we met with them, and, um, like, completely blew my expectations out of the water when it came to everything, like, from working remote from my house three days out of the five days. Like, I still have to be in office two days. But then the salary package was, like, more than what, you know, I was thinking. Um, vacation time, like, off the bat was more than you. So in the company's papers, it takes 10 years with the company to get the amount of vacation they offered me in one day. And so... um that was a big deal. And then my family owns a house that's literally 20 minutes from the office that no one lives in. And so my family was like, you can live there for free. I was like, God, this is big. And that's where I began to go. I was like, God, I've prayed for these things, and you're answering, and it's not the way I thought you would. It's not what I thought, I would. it's not what it looked like. I feel like it was supposed to be this way, and you're going this way. And so I talked to Pastor Zach, and he was like, that's a hard decision, bud. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> You know, and, and that's what you do when you're making big decisions. You start looking for affirmation, right? You're, like, talking to your friends. I talked to Lanny. I talked to, you know, many of y'all about it. And and it's like I'm trying to find that validation. And But ultimately, God kept opening doors. And then literally the last week of school, he confirmed it through my son. And um, I, I, I can't go into too many details about that, but what I realized was there were some things that I thought were good in our family that really needed attention in our family. Nothing, nothing like get anything like sinful or anything, like nothing bad, bad. It's just Lachlan and... And even Lila and, and Luella have, um, were struggling with some things I didn't notice. And so that confirmation, I talked to Pastor about it, and he was like, yeah, I knew in my heart that that was probably a confirming thing for you. And, uh, and it was even the last week God kept showing us thing after thing after thing and making a way. So much that now Tiff's going to stay home. She's going to homeschool my kids. And um, let me tell you, as much as it hurts for us to leave this church, as much as it hurts for every teenager in this room, as much as it hurts for me to leave you, 
after the investment and the pouring. My why, God made a, when you place your desires in the hands of God, in your dreams, in your plans, I'm telling you, and you be dependent on him, he will make a way. And, um, and that's what he did. And so my wife will be staying home and homeschooling our kids. They're excited about it because they think they're going to go on field trips every day. <laughs> they're sorely mistaken. But, <laughs> um, you know, and, and just things like, I'll be honest, last week I was up there and we were unpacking the house. And, and my grandma and grandpa came up two days out of the week. And my grandpa, like... Um, he, he's a contractor slash, you know, he's, he's worked in that field so long that he does everything. Like he's a contractor, but he does like electrical. He does like building, like he does it all, you know, he's one of those guys. And, uh, he came out and he put in like he, every day, like, oh, we'll be here tomorrow. And I'm like, you don't have to come out tomorrow. To, to the house, and he's like, no, we'll be here tomorrow to put up, you know, like, he's just finding things to do just to be with us because we've been separated so long, and then my sister's sister came over with her little baby and Lou, and they were playing, and just those kind of moments that we haven't been able to experience because we've been obediently living in what God's called us, and now he's bringing those rewards back through another obedient step. So let me close today. That's my story. God has done amazing things in my life. And he's doing some amazing things in your life. Make bold moves. Make bold moves when it comes to following Christ, and you will never regret it. Listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hard things that God has asked me to do in this process, part of which is leaving this church, the hardest thing. Listen, I have been at this church longer than any other church that I've been on staff at. I've been here longer. When pastor first hired me, he said, two years, Keith, that's what we got in the bank. That's what he told me. He's like, we got two years for you on the bank. That's our trajectory. And we're hoping God does some cool things and you'll be able to stay longer. But right now, I just want you to know we have a two-year trajectory. We plan on this growing and we plan on this being able to, to turn into things and you being able to stay. And, and it did. I've been here for five years. And so three years, God has honored me with being a pastor on staff at the Crossing Church and making, you know, brother and sisterly relationships with you guys and, and just loving every minute of it. That's my bold move. God is, God is calling me to a bold move. And so I'm trying to walk in obedience in that. I'm trying to honor that and be faithful in that. And I love the support that I've gotten from y'all. It means the world. I know like some of our teenagers, they're like, they're like, I'll never get as close to another youth pastor again. And I, as much as that makes me smile on the inside, listen, teenagers, God has something so much bigger than me.
And it takes, a, it takes humility to see that. You have to step back and be the small person in the picture, teenagers. Church, listen to me. Your students are going to have to take a step back, and they're going to have to realize that what God is doing here in Little Elm and in the crossing in Frisco is bigger than Keith Morris. And thank God it is because I'm not very big. Listen, he's going to bring in someone that's going to love you guys and love this church so radically. And, and they're going to dream dreams and visions and, and, and big things. And God is on the move. And that's what I want to bring to you today is that we made a bold move in our relationship with Christ and stepping in obedience. And he has been faithful in that. When I moved here, I can tell you I had no money to my name. I, you guys want, Pastor Zach had to pay to move me here because I couldn't even afford to pay for a U-Haul to get here. He paid for me to move here. He paid personally out of his pocket to help us get the deposit cover. He made a way for us to be here. And now he has honored that and he is moving us into a new place for a time such as this. And I don't know whose eternity is gonna be impacted because of what I'm doing today. It may be people in Arkansas, but it also may be people here. And I can tell you right now that God is moving because listen, the building is sold. That is huge. That's something we've prayed for since we've been here. That is something they've prayed for long before I was here. And God is doing something incredible. And he's setting this church up to be a light on a hill. And I believe that with everything that I have within me. And I believe it's going to take some bold moves. I believe to get to the promised land that he has for you and for I, it's going to take bold moves. I think there's promised lands in your life right now that maybe you're not receiving the full promise because you're not willing to take the risk. You're not willing to trust Jesus and walk in that faith that we talked about and that humility. It's gonna take you being bold and saying, regardless of the risk, regardless of what I may lose, regardless of what, what may fall off behind me, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to walk in faith. I'm gonna take a bold move. God is good. God is good. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that pleases him more when we take a step in faith. There's nothing that pleases him more when we trust him and we depend on him wholly. So, with that being said, Tiff and I made a bold move. What's your bold move? What is God asking you to do in your relationship with him that you have kept yourself from doing? Because you don't know what people will think. You don't know how people will react. Or maybe you don't know, maybe you'll lose, maybe you'll lose the provision that you think you have. Maybe you think you'll lose the, the security you think you have in your job or what? What is God calling you to do but you've been afraid to take because of the risk? Because he's doing something in everyone's life and it's gonna require faith out of all of us. Maybe it's giving your life to him. Maybe you've just been feeling a pull to say, Lord, you know, to say, hey, I, I know 
God is real. I know he's out there. I just haven't given him my life because I'm scared of the risk. What will people think? What will people say? Can I tell you that bold move is the best bold move you will ever make in your life? Romans chapter 10, 11 says, if we call on the name of God, if we, if we confess our sins with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he will save us. And that's what we never want to end a service at the crossing without giving that opportunity. And so right now in this moment, maybe that's your bold move today. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If this is your bold move and you say, man, I just, I need to give my heart to the Lord. I need to surrender my life to him today. You talked about I'm the biggest opposition in a bold move. Maybe you're being the biggest opposition to the life that God has planned for you because you're, you're, you're walking in that fear of the unknown. Well, what's a life with Jesus really like? What's, what's people going to say? How is people going to react? How are my friends going to react when, they follow, when I know I follow Jesus? Maybe all those fears are creeping in. Can I tell you, he gives peace about all that. He gives understanding, and, and, and I guarantee you the promises that he has for you and in this bold move are so rewarding. So maybe that's you, and you say, that's my bold move, Keith. That's, what I, that's the next step I need to take. If that's you, I just want you to make eye contact with me. Amen. I just want you to make eye contact. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you. Out front, in front of everyone, I just want to look at you. Amen. If you're watching, you can click the hand raise button or send a message in the Facebook Messenger, and we would love to get in connection with you. But for everyone watching online and here now, we're going to pray, okay? So I'm going to ask everyone pray this after me, and that way we don't single anyone out. And just if you believe this in your heart and you confess this with your mouth, then you will be saved. And, and, and what that means is that you're going to begin a relationship with Christ and that you're going to invite him to be the Lord of your life. And he's going to walk you through some hard times. He's going to walk you through some good times. But he will be with you for it all. So if you made that decision, yeah, I'm going to ask everyone pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I know that you died and rose again for me. I ask you to save me and teach me to follow you. And I will do my best to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, that's all it's about. Everything me and you are called to do in this life amounts to what we just did right there. To introduce and disciple people, to meet Jesus, to make Jesus known, and to meet Jesus. I can't tell you what my life is going to look like a whole lot in the next few months. But I can tell you that I'm going to meet people and I'm going to live the best I can for Jesus and I'm going to try to follow him every day. And if there is anything that I hope that I have taught y'all, 
It is to be dependent on Jesus, to trust him, and to follow him with everything you have. Let's pray. I'm going to pray. If y'all don't mind standing, stand with me. I'm going to pray a prayer of favor over y'all, over over this church, over over your lives. And, and I'm just believing that God is going to do some incredible things. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you that you are so good. Lord, even when we don't see it, even when we don't know how you're working things out, Lord, that you are working for us on our behalf. That's what your word says, that those who are called according to your purpose, those that follow you, that are working, Lord, that are serving you and living in a life pleasing to you, Lord, that, that you are working all things for their good. And Father, I've seen that in my life multiple times and multiple seasons. I've seen you come out on top every time because that is Lord, that you are exalted, you are glorified, you are God above it all. And Father, I pray right now for everyone in this church, Lord, that you would just begin to show them the bold moves that maybe they need to make personally, God. Father, that you would give them the boldness and the authority to step in faith where they need to step, when they need to step, God. Father, that you would begin to open up promotions, Lord, that you would begin to open up, Lord, financial um, burdens, God, that you would begin to lift those off of them. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to restore families, God, that you would begin to restore homes, God, that you would heal the sick, God, Lord, that this church, the Crossing Church, would see your power manifested in ways that it's never seen before, God, as they continue to walk in faith, God, and trust you as they have in the past and continue to do in the future, God, that you would raise them to places of influence in this community, God, that, that, that they won't be removed. God, but they would be seen as a light on a hill, God. And, Lord, that they would be a beacon of hope to a community because they know Jesus, Lord. And, Lord, that they love like he did. And, Father, because of that, they're going to see the blessings of God pour out, the favor of God pour out on each and every person in this place. Lord, I pray right now that you would have your way in our lives. Bold moves and all. I surrender to you. We surrender to you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all can be seated. You want to do announcements? All right. Here comes Pastor Lanny with the announcements. Awesome. Good stuff, man. I can't believe it's been five years already. I remember when they first came and they rolled, I was outside and they rolled up next to the house. Pastor Zach was driving around there looking for houses, I think. And uh, Keith threatened to call me Larry because, um, uh, anyway, a guy used to come here named Tommy and he's just told him to be ornery and told him he can't call me Larry. So, um, Anyway, five years, um, they've been such a blessing to, I know, our family, and we've gained some lifelong friends, and I know they've been such a blessing to this church. So next week, next Sunday, we're going to have a proper send-off, so Pastor Zach and family will be back, um, and so we're going to bless them and send them, send them off uh, next week. So be here for that. We also have baptism next week. If you haven't registered for that and would like to, um, you can go into the app. Um, 
church church app and you can register there if you can't find it don't know how to get to it come find me i'll help you uh, just make sure you register by wednesday so we know um, what to prepare for um, and then no use tonight and lastly today is a special day this is father's day yeah special Okay, so we got a drawing. Um, so if you didn't, I think we told you before, grab a pop on your way, pop on your way out, pop. And uh, now we've got a drawing for a $100 Shills gift card. All right, so I need some help. Just say, come help me. Did everyone get a ticket? All the fathers. Raise your hand if you're a father and did not get a ticket. Cool, I got three. All right, here we go. All right. We got three, eight, six, four, one, seven, four. Oh, Scott. I think this is rigged. How does that work? Is this going into his golf fund? Is that what this is going towards? This is to buy another club for him? <laughs> that worked out. I don't believe it. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you guys have a great week. Um, thank you for being here. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next week.